Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thanks to you for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. But right now, if you have any questions about what's going on in your yard or what you should be doing now or what you shouldn't be doing now, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And welcome, Maria. Hey, how are so you? So two weeks in a row. I'm I know. Just, uh, so you're taking over the weekend. No, I don't know. <laughs> yes, you are. No, no, I don't know. I'm going to force you. I just go where they tell me to go. <laughs> you know how they say, like, there's a pop-up something or the other? That's me. I'm just a little pop-up here and there. <laughs> how you been? Not bad. How about you? I'm getting good. I'm in good. I was talking about you this morning on the air. What? For people, yeah, to call in and, you know, talk about their problems. Come. And, and, and. Well, like in the yard, oh. not other kinds of problems. Thought, uh-oh. <laughs> Don't this call Mike with psychological issues. <laughs> right. This is going to be an interesting show. Now, you live by Francis Park, right? I do. And when's the big festival and stuff coming up? Do you know? Well, we have the bicycle race that happens Labor Day. Okay. And then uh, Art in the Park, right. we have that too. That'll be in October. I don't have oh, the exact October. dates on it. We also have a house tour, but I'm not sure that we're having it this year. Okay. I was just curious because um, when you drive by, there's so many signs we couldn't read what some of them were. So oh yeah, it's yeah. October. That's when the art yeah. fest is. Yeah. Oh great. So yeah, it's it's that draws a big crowd you too. Aren't so kidding. does the bicycle thing. Right. You know, and they go all over too. They're on the hill. They're in Lafayette Square. So um, that's always a good event. Right. Well, good to see you. It's great to see you. Yes, folks, it is Saturday morning. We get get together and have a discussion about what's impacting your landscape. And are you doing anything at all, or are you just kind of sitting back? I'll tell you, it is pretty dry, so you should be watering most everything, if not everything, especially pots that are sitting above the ground, obviously sitting above the ground. They dry out really quickly in the plant material, even though it may not look like it's being impacted adversely. It certainly could be. Now, watch out for the insects, too, and diseases. Oh, Information I'm going to share with you, my thoughts, orchestrations, and everything else, hopefully will help you solidify your options with the final judgment of the action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is Drew. Drew has been producing the show for uh, at least a month, if not a little bit more. And he's really cool into the whole thing, and smooth and everything else so it's a great to have him 
He is the one who will be pushing all the buttons, of course, and then but he answers the phone. So when you call, all he needs is your first name, and uh, that's pretty much it. He puts it on the computer screen, and then I talk to you. There's Vicky's already called in, so she's waiting. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home to a landscape consultation. Today I'm headed up to uh, Off Page Avenue and uh, somebody's yard. Schutz, is that Schutz Road? Yes, I think that's where I'm going. Uh, anyway, you can go to my website, but don't do that. My computer is still down. I can't get AT&T to get this Wi-Fi hooked up for me. And as I got to go to, you know, enough, enough of that stuff. Anyway, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. When I start off from South City, where I live, and head Gravoy, that's where I generally, when I'm heading towards downtown or coming to the station or whatever, I go Gravoy. Man, some of that sun this morning was so bright. It was unbelievable. And then the sun visor on the car wasn't low enough to make much difference. It was like, ooh, be careful. Anyway, as I pulled up and parked, the sign reminds, do not, do not, <laughs> if you did not plant, do not pick it. And that was near bed number 25. And they had some really nice looking basil there. And I love pesto. I was so tempted to go ahead and, you know, take some basil leaves, but no, I didn't. And uh, there's all kinds of other stuff. There's a forest of 10-foot-high-plus sunflowers, just big, a huge clump of them, and other ones spread out all over the place. And nearby, there was gourds that were climbing in an arbor. And guess what was growing near the gourds? Hops. So if you had never seen hop vines before, you can head down here. I'll tell you where it is in a little bit. And there's probably sunflower family was dominating the, you know, the space, and there was probably 10 or 12 different varieties of sunflower family members, everything from zinnias to black-eyed Susans to this to that to whatever else. And they're mingling with the ornamental grasses and milkweed. And also there were some raspberries that say, look, I'm really starting to get pretty darn red. And then there were some plums on the ground, and this is on the north end of this uh, community garden space. There's plums, there's white pines, there's flocks, there's liriope, there's all kinds of other stuff. Potted milkweed, too. So if you've never seen milkweed with the big pods, it's a cool thing. And the milkweed, the potted milkweed was hugging a fire hydrant. And this is Sular Community Garden. I've lived in Sulard on uh, Lame for 10-plus uh, years and uh, never saw the garden looking quite this you know, nice. I mean, the diversity and everything else is just, like, incredible. So whoever is doing the work now, boy, my hat is off to you or my tip of the trowel to you. And uh, there's tomato plants that are eight feet high. There's fennel. There's black peppers. There's fig trees. Crickets were serenading. Birds were swooping in and out. A couple squirrels were running around. You could tell the squirrels were selectively eating a few things because there was some stuff on the ground that they had helped themselves to. And uh, there were strawberries and creeping jenny blanketing various areas too. A pear tree had a huge number of pears on it. There was hyacinth bean vines. And as there was a, a man walking, two dogs. And 
they saw they saw me and I said, "Are you dogs? Are you guys having a good walk?" And they came up and said one of the dogs' name was Panda and the other one is Sweet Pea, and they were getting a great walk. And this was on the north side of this community, Sular Community Garden, and that's where the compost area is. And I'll tell you, there is more there than you could possibly imagine. It was just unbelievable on this last Saturday of August. So it's just uh, I couldn't spend. I, it would take me an hour plus just to you know to find more highlights, not have to find them. I mean, the highlights were just all over the place. It was like I said, I've been lived there, gone there a lot for good gardening strolls and everything else, but I've never seen it looking this spectacular. It was just really fantastic. So, if you do have any questions, concerns, or comments, three one four. Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Back after these messages. Yes, folks. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Let's start off in Vicky's yard. Hi, Vicky. Um, I have a question regarding um, a white pine that we had taken down uh, last week. We have a stump company coming this coming week to grind out the stump. Mm-hmm. And um, once they grind it out, they said they go down about six inches. Is that far enough? Well, it doesn't really matter because the lateral roots are not, I mean, they're attached to the stump, but the lateral roots are going to stay viable for a couple of years after the stump has even been ground out. So it's not the depth of grinding the stump out. That gets, you know, basically aesthetically the... Uh, you know, you're uh-huh. not going to see the stump, but it really doesn't impact how long the root systems could be impacting your landscape just in general. Okay. So um, once the stump is out, though, they're going to clean it up real good. Sure. But should we put some topsoil down? And is that just kind of, and then when, can we throw some seed down afterwards? Some grass seed because we're not going to replant there, I don't think. Right. Well, you can do that, but I don't think you're going to have much luck with it. So, I mean, go ahead uh-huh. and do it. Just be realistic that uh, uh, this is going to be a tough, you know, tough situation just kind of in general. So right above Ooh. where the stump was and everything else, you're not going to have a – you're going to have, a let's say, a, a, some acne in your, in your yard. <laughs> and that's yeah. when it's, it's going to be a big, you know, acne spot. Oh, well, our whole yard is kind of one big uh, scene of acne. Um, <laughs> well, then this fits in well. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it'll blend in fine. Um, so now, but when we do throw, like like maybe in a couple of years, would it be better, do you think? Yeah. Would it take? I mean, you know, the spot right there where the stump is being taken out and the viable, and the the feeder roots, you know, it's the end of the feeder roots that are really aggressive and the spot right, you know, even though they ground out the stump, it's still pretty much kind of like solid wood right there. You could put yeah. a bird bath there. You could put a gazing ball there, or you could just, you know, ignore mm. it. Or put some, you yeah. know, some cop, you know, topsoil compost mix and throw seed out every couple of weeks. Ah, okay. And we don't put hay on the seed over the seed, no, right? No, don't do that. I don't. I still don't understand where that concept came from. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. And I know my husband thinks we should do it. So, tell me why you shouldn't do that. <laughs> because it can hold too much moisture, and it can create a fungus problem for newly germinated oh. seed. And that's where the trouble comes in. Newly germinated seed of any type 
can be prone to a fungus circumstance that could be, you know, let's say, I don't want to say deadly, but deadly. Uh huh. Okay. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate the information. And I, uh, I watch, I listen to your show almost every week. So Great. thanks well, a lot, Mike. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And now <laughs> okay. let's go from Vicki's yard over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Uh, I just planted a barrel container full of Shasta daisies. Should I continue to feed those until it gets cold? Uh, probably not. As as the days get shorter and everything else, uh, what you could possibly do is just you know prevent the plants from going dormant. So you should probably maybe do one or two more fertilizations uh, okay. in September, in you know mid September. Nothing after that, and just leave them alone. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yep, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Park, uh, Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Good morning, Mike. Um, I had a question about a uh, ginkgo biloba tree. Uh, it's a female tree, and it has a lot of uh, the fruit on it. Ooh. It's, each branch is basically just covered with them. Now, it broke one of the branches down because of the weight. Uh, we were wondering... Uh, if there's anything that can be sprayed on there, uh, I think you answered this once before a long time ago, but uh, um, is there anything we can spray on there to kind of keep those at bay or uh, keep it from growing so much? I guess maybe uh, uh, is there a certain time of the year we might be able to cut it back to kind of uh, help this along a little bit? To be honest with you, you got a disaster, and you know what the, you know what that fruit smells like when it starts hitting the ground, and yeah, uh, that's really unfortunate. I don't know why they sell. I don't know how old this tree is or anything else, but why they sell the females, I just have no concept. But you might get a tree service, and the timing if they're they're going to let's say interrupt the 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 pollination of the flowers, even though it's not flowers where you go, wow, my ginkgo's in flower, but uh, to interrupt it so you don't get the fruit set. And you might get a hold of a tree service too to see if they can inject something into it to interrupt it. But it's just going to be, you know, a nightmare that you've lived with for probably multiple years because if you're getting fruit, this tree's pretty much getting pretty old. Yeah, it's about... uh... I think it's about uh, 10 years old at least. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, that's an unfortunate thing. Mm-hmm. When I worked at the Botanical Garden in the English Woodland Garden, part of the area responsibility that I had was beyond the actual woodland garden. And we had a female ginkgo tree there, and, boy, I dreaded. And at that time, mm-hmm. we were not doing anything at the garden to interrupt the, the you know, the flowering slash fruit set mm-hmm. of the females. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I'm not even sure if that tree is still standing. I imagine they would have taken it down by now because the odor just gets too intense. Yeah, it's pretty strong. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I kind of figured that's what you were going to say, yeah. but I just want to make sure. Okay, well, thank you very much for your help. Yeah, just get a tree service to come out like Timberline Professional Tree Care and have them uh, take a look at it and see what they think. That would be the best thing to do. Okay, sir. Thank you. Sure. And now let's go from uh, Mark's yard over to Tammy's yard. Hi, Tammy. Hi. How are you? Very good. Good to hear you. My mom listens to you all the time, Rita Hartman. So <laughs> I I have a couple questions about our 
zucchini and our canna lilies. Um, I got some canna lilies that are in pots right now, and they. I think I'm going to put them in the ground, but I don't know. I wanted to hear from you if it's better to bring them in in the winter and then take them back out next year, or what would be better to try to keep them through the winter. So these are calla lilies, C-A-L-L-A, calla lilies. Yes, oh, okay, calla lilies. Yeah, yeah, now they are perennial, so you can plant them. There's actually a house right up the street from me. This lady is a very elaborate gardener, and she has uh, her calla lilies she's had. Now they're probably in part shade, part sun circumstance, and they've been in three years, and they're probably almost, uh, the foliage is... Uh, probably 18 inches, maybe even a little bit taller than that, and then the flower goes slightly above that as far as when they are in bloom. And if you know the calla lilies, they they don't bloom for extended periods of time. They're most you know they're more like uh, the the classic type perennial that gives you uh, four to six weeks of color, and then that's pretty much it. Then the rest of the year, it's you know while they're still above ground, is just green foliage, sometimes with speckles on the leaves. Yeah, do you cut the stalk that the flowers are on down when they're drying up? or? Yeah, you can do that. I mean, it's an aesthetic call. It doesn't make that much difference. I've never really seen a, a calla lily uh, that has, you know, when the flowers finish, you see seeds or anything like that. That's one of the reasons that you stop, uh, you know, flower, you know, remove the flowers is to prevent that from happening. But uh you probably you can, but it's not totally necessary. It's more of an aesthetic call. Okay, and then we had zucchini that last year we planted in pots and it did well, and we got some good zucchini out of it. This year we moved the plant up against the side of the house, and it seemed like they got squishy before they were fully grown, and we wound up having to throw away all of the zucchini because it it rotted (laughs) do you do you think that was just because of the weather we had this year or do you think we need to plant them out where they get more airflow well airflow would help now when you did you move the pot up close to the house or did you plant them in the ground up close to the house put them in the ground and there were a lot of bugs too a lot of squash bugs (laughs) oh oh my so I th- yeah, the weather, I think, in, a, in combination with lots of different factors. Also, was it, were they getting adequate sun? It was a big plant, and it gets sun pretty much, like, most of the day, okay. like noon to, to sundown at least. Okay, um, so that should be, should be enough. So I think probably the weather had a lot to do with it. But I've, you know, I've been to houses and I've seen, you know, when I've just walked through gardens and, you know, just like that community, Sular Community Garden today, there were some zucchini that were just spectacular as far as, you know, growth-wise. And then there were some other zucchinis in that same community garden that did not look so good. So, the, you know, variety-wise, weather-wise, and everything else, that all plays a role. Do you know... Is there a variety that you would recommend for production? <laughs> well, if you had success with one, you know, in a pot last year, I would say, you know, stay with the one you've had success with more so than me just telling you, okay, do this okay. one or do that one. 
my husband keeps pretty good tabs on what type we're, we're planting, so maybe we can look that up and make sure. I, I don't know that we use the same type this year. That could have been it. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much sure, for your my help. Pleasure. My pleasure. You, you have a good day. You do the same, and thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. There are some phone lines open. And uh, with my, let me give you a quick tip on what I've done with my yard. I did my final fertilization. I have zoysia grass. My final fertilization happened this past week uh, on my zoysia. So no, no fertilizer after this. Once you start fertilizing, you know, warm season grasses like zoysia, too late in the season, you can force some growth. You can prevent the thing from going dormant uh, when it needs to. And that is, uh, you know, detrimental. This is a time of year, though, when you want to start picking up the tempo with fertilizing your cool season lawn. So your fescues and bluegrasses, now we start, uh, let's say, putting it in in gear and start to uh, get going with the fertilizations for uh, those the cool season lawns. Let's head now over to John's yard. Hi, John. How are you? Hey, Mike. Um, I, no- I noticed in my yard in some areas I've been watering that I've got nuts edge uh, growing. So, and I know you've, you've uh, given recommendations on this many times, but um, can you go ahead and let me know how, what I can maybe do to get rid of that? Yeah. Control it? Well, basically it's a poor, you know, it's a poorly drained area. So just realize that, but you can get a product called sedge, S E D G E sedge ender. And it really works pretty effectively. Very good. I'll get someone to try it, and I'll report back to you. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, that's fine. But just realize with anything, any kind of weed circumstance that we're going after, one application is not going to do it. When I say it's effective, it just starts, you know, maybe it's going to take several different applications. And once we start getting, you know, later in the season, the herbicides are going to become less and less effective. So get it done as quick as you possibly can. I would, you know, again, I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but probably I wouldn't bother with any kind of herbicides once we get past uh, you know, late September, early October, the effectiveness is just going downhill. So, thank you. Yep. And now let's head over to Richard's yard. Hi Richard. Hey Mike, um I have a question for you about two pots I have in front planted with with mums um two weeks ago i planted them with mums <clears throat> and um they were green the, the buds were green and not flowered out and they're still not flowered out why is that it's just a timing thing more so than anything else if you went to the garden center wherever you bought them the ones that they still have there are probably not opening up yet either so it's just uh you know a question of the amount of sunlight, temperature-wise, and everything else, that's the triggers that starts uh, the, let's say, later season bloomers like the mums are. So as long as, as long as the plants, the foliage looks good, as long as the buds look good, you're, you're, you're doing the watering and everything else, then you should be fine. Okay. 
Um, and then a second question, um, does, um, does goat dung serve as a um, fertilizer? I don't really like to use manures, you know, unless they've been composted. So just putting straight manure on things, uh, I don't know how effective that's going to be. Why, do you have a goat? I have a, I have a buddy that's got a goat in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I would say yeah, uh, skip him it. to come over and, and cut my yard if uh, <laughs> if he uh, if he's motivated that way. But um, so the goat dung by itself is not worked. Is it? Can uh, can I mix it with something? Uh, yeah, mix it with other organic materials and make a compost out of it. But. Just, you know, manure, whether it's cow, whether it's horse, whether, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. And the unfortunate thing, you know, with horse manure is horses don't have a series of stomachs like cows do. And then consequently, a lot of times you're going to get with horse manure, you're going to get a lot of seeds and stuff that just pass right through them. And then they've got a perfect you know environment to grow. Okay. All right. No goat dung. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Hey, good morning, Mike. You may have answered this question a couple of calls earlier. Is it too late to put preen down? Uh, you're, you're right on the cusp, but no, it isn't too late. So you may right. there may be some things that have already germinated, but there are still plenty of seeds that haven't germinated yet. And so that's why, you know, putting a pre-emergent down mid to late August, early September, it, you know, it's every year is going to be different as far as when the seeds start germinating and how long, you know, they are going to continue to germinate. And it's all weather all right. dependent. And then consequently, when you put it down, it should still, you know, it won't necessarily eliminate all the weed seeds that are germinating. But because it only kills very young, I mean, really young, like first couple days after germination, and then seeds as they germinate. And it doesn't do any good to put pre down in a flower bed if you have mulch? Uh, it's going to have, your mulch is, you know, it's going to be up on top of the mulch. It will help right. because it's oh, going to, okay. per- you're going to water it in, it's going to percolate down and get on top right. of the soil. And then if there is right. any weed seeds down there, when those weed seeds, germinate that's when it's going to be you know when it's going to work okay and i am talking about preen yeah okay. right all right preen is hey, a you know you preen is a pre-emergent so you can right. do that i mean it's not a problem okay good i had a bag left i just wanted to make sure all right all right good Thank luck you, with sir. that yep yeah. and 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 this is a perfect time of year to get your soil tested and uh, the University of Missouri has an office in Kirkwood, so you can take the sample right there, or you can ship it right to them. And uh, consequently, if you have any questions about soil testing or anything else, you can always go online to the University of Missouri Extension Service, or you can give them a call at 314-400-2115. And again, their office in Kirkwood is on East Monroe, which is near the train station. So you can, like I said, go online and check it out, or you can, you know, give them a call to find out, you know, how you need to do the samples. Like you want to make a cut into the ground as deep as a shovel will go. Then you want to make a, about a one inch behind, another cut one inch behind, 
and then tilt the shovel and you're going to lift the soil up and you want to make sure that you're just getting soil and not, let's say, grass blades or not kind of perennial blades or root systems or anything else. And then you want to take your sample like from the middle of the cut. So it's, uh, you know, it's not really all that easy to do and you're going to repeat the thing and fill up a, more or less a Ziploc bag and you've got to mix them together. So you want to take a separate sample for your front yard, for your backyard, for your perennial areas and things along that line. So now let's head over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I have a question about tomato plants. Our neighbor just got a community garden at the library, like in first part of July. So that's when she planted her tomato plants. She's just now getting tomatoes on them. And we've been, she's been feeding and we told her to feed, you know, with tomato food. Right. Should we still feed them with tomato food like now or just let them go? The plants look really healthy. The tomatoes are just starting. So what should we do there? Yeah, it's, you know, it's getting kind of late for them, you know, from going, just getting a start to actually going to maturity. So I I would maybe fertilize once more. And because you're only with the tomatoes, with the tomato food, fertilizing about once every three to four weeks, that should be adequate. And uh, just make sure that she keeps them healthy with um, you know, not letting them go through any kind of drought stress whatsoever. Okay. Yeah, she's a teacher and just went back to school. So I think she drought stressed them. They don't look it, but she said she hadn't been up there in in like three days. So plants look great, but I think they might be a little drought stressed. So, okay. <laughs> well, if they if they were drought stressed, they would not look, you know, they wouldn't look great. So she, oh, okay. I would just say just, you know, enjoy whatever happens with them. But uh, I wouldn't expect to make too much, uh, let's say, uh, harvest from the tomato plants. Now, and it's been it's been kind of bad. I mean, she, she had really nice cucumber plants that were there like, um, about the 20th of July, we went on vacation, came back, and they were dead from the cucumber beetles. They oh, got all the oh, I'm my. trying some of that um, diet, whatever it is, diatomaceous earth right. stuff to put on there. It says that it dehydrates the bugs. So I put some of that on a spot in our garden yesterday. How do you? How exactly do you use that stuff? Do you know? Just read the okay. label. That's the best thing. Okay. You can do. <laughs> I, mean, I thought I could rely on you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, but it's much better off. You have a much better understanding by reading the label. Even with just any kind of medication or anything, even for yourself, you always have to read the label before you start doing application, even if the doctor says this is what you want to use to get better understanding of what's going on, read the read label. The label. Right. All right, I'll do that. Thank you very much for your help. Yep, yeah, my pleasure. Mike Miller, K M Wash Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open. Game Awards Night at the Ballpark returns Wednesday, September 14th as the Cardinals take on the Brewers. Got it, got into it. It's a goner. Celebrate Cardinals history in the making. Fans who purchase a special theme ticket will receive an exclusive Game OX t-shirt honoring Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols. 
join us and celebrate at KMOX Night at the Ballpark, September 14th. Tickets on sale now at cardinals.com slash KMOX. Bees Plumbing is the premier plumber in St. Louis. They work all over the region, and they do everything from stopped-up toilets, sewer repairs, sewer lateral camera inspections, sewer and drain cleaning services, faucet repair services, water pressure services, water filtration. They've got water treatment systems, water softeners, water filters, and they've got an August special, $75 off a toilet install. How about that for a deal? Get a hold of Bees Plumbing right away, beisplumbing.com, or call them 314-698-1154. Tell them Bo sent you to Bees. This is a time of year where some trees I've started to notice are changing colors, and it's a little bit premature. Some trees are uh, dropping quite a few leaves, and what's causing that? Well, what you need to do is get a tree service coming out, and what tree service do you want to have come out? You want to have Timberline Professional Tree Care. Timberline Professional Tree Care, stltreecare.com, or 636-479-7475. They are arborists. When they come out, the original person that comes and talks to you about what's going on is an arborist. Then when the crew comes back, if you do need some work on your trees, whether it's deep root fitting and no, no matter what it is, you know, they're going to send an arborist out. Yes, they are going to have other people working with them, but there's going to be a licensed arborist. And the licensed arborist is the best person to have to take a look at your trees and to make sure that what action they're going to take on your tree, if any, is going to be the best thing you could possibly do. So just realize that that's the case. And Timberline Tree Service, that's Timberline Professional Tree Care, 636-479-7475 or stltreecare.com. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, let's head over to Clay's yard. Clay, how are you today? I'm doing good, Mike. Thank you very much. Um, I have two pin oak trees in my front yard. Um, They're about 27 to 30 inches in diameter, and they have the infamous oak gall. Right. Um, I had three tree companies come out, three arborists, and they had recommended to do the injections on the tree using the chemical called triage. And long story short, I ended up going with one of them. And I'm kind of worried because they've had oak gall now for a couple years. But just within this last year, both trees uh, are really in decline. So I was just wondering, what has been your experience with with the triage and the injections? And uh, they also offered a deep root uh, fertilization as well. Now, one of the arborists had indicated with regard to the injections, uh, he specifically recommended to do that in the springtime because he said it would be better uptake of the chemical. So I just wanted your thoughts on that. Well, first of all, the existing galls, are going to stay there until they until those particular twigs you know, break off or whatever. So all this is doing is preventing or or preventing any kind of new galls from happening. So that's what it is. What this is is a, a not a classic type wasp that the female lays her eggs and that's what causes the gall to form. And just uh, for the most part, it seems to be somewhat effective, but it doesn't you know, get rid of the galls. It doesn't cause the existing galls to disappear or to dissolve or anything else. So 
it, and if your trees are declining and it sounds like they're not really all that old, uh, I mean, deep root feeding could possibly help, but that shouldn't, I mean, the injection shouldn't cause any kind of problems as far as sending the trees downhill. So why they're going downhill, I don't really know. So are they dropping a lot of leaves? Well, they're starting to drop, uh, you know, you know, some leaves. But when you stand, Mike, underneath the stem of the tree and you look up the canopy, it's becoming more and more sparse. So, you know, from a distance when you're, you know, on the street level, a couple houses up, you look at the trees, you know, horizontally, you know, they, they kind of look fine. But it, it, the, the trees just, just thinning out. Now, obviously, the arborist thought that it was worthwhile to do that, you know, and so I, it was rather expensive. It was close to a thousand dollars to have both trees injected. But at this point in time, you know, I didn't want to. I, I, I kind of waited too long because the galls have been on the trees for a couple of years. Right. So I also heard too that once the 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 wasp attacks the tree, uh, once the tree becomes a little bit weak and they're prone to come back again and again and again the following years. Yeah, the the wasps basically stay in the tree where they were born. So unless a wind blows them to someplace else, and that's you know that's kind of what you're experiencing. And just looking up into the tree, you know, it's not going to be like a canopy or anything else like that. But if the leaf color is good and everything, uh, I wouldn't worry about, let's say, the sparseness of the leaves. I would say just good color, deep root feeding, you know, is something you certainly consider. And that's where they're going to auger holes. And, you know, to me, deep root feeding is putting compost in the holes. Now, every tree service may have their own system that they're, you know, that they prefer to use. Is, is there any other uh, methodology other than the deep root feeding or the injections that would uh, help the matter at all? No, the deep root feeding is strictly to feed your soil, and then your soil, a healthy, better soil, is just better for the, you know, for the plant. You know, with trees, I mean, the, your oak trees, that's what you're talking about here specifically. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with the galls whatsoever. Okay, because they they said the deep root feeding would be for the over, you know general overall health right. of the tree, which exactly. wouldn't hurt, which which would you know you know would help a lot. But it's just amazing after going through this experience, there are a lot of uh, oak trees that have the gall on it. Not to mention then then there's the emerald ash borer as well, right? On the ash trees, and they use the same thing, the triage chemical as well. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's uh, unfortunate that uh, you know, and it's with the Oaks, it's a red oak family group. That They're the ones that get the problem. The white oaks don't get the gall problem. And with the ash trees, I mean, so many ash trees have been removed because to try to help control that emerald ash borer. So, I mean, there's some major problems out there, and there's no getting around it. Okay, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And um, also... Just realize this is a time of year where uh, getting a pre-emergent down for your, you know, to control your annual cool season weeds. This is a time of year to do it. And my good neighbor, good friend, two doors down, Charlie, he came up and asked me about where he could get the pre-emergent because he'd tried a couple different places and couldn't find it. So I, you know, I told him, take a look at here and here. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after the news. 
Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, and this is the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your questions, ideas, concerns, or comments. And Maria, can I ask you something about the news? Certainly. Does spanking really make a difference? What do you threaten kids with spanking? Well, I guess some people would say it does that it it and and others would say certainly not. And I I think that you know that it really never went away apparently in Missouri. It's just well in 2001 it, it kind of did. They said okay, that we're not going to do that anymore. But now they're saying that it's okay to come back. But it's only that one school district, oh. Cassville in in southeastern Missouri, I believe. Uh-huh. So I I don't know how this is going to be received. <laughs> um, I just think, you know, a threat of a spanking, that's not necessarily going to change somebody's attitude, I don't think. Well, I remember in school with the nuns, uh, you know, they they would, um, they didn't ask anybody. They just, <laughs> they just used to do it. Really? <laughs> so, I'm not Catholic, uh, so I don't know about that. <laughs> it, was pretty, it was pretty bad when you were a kid, especially the boys. They didn't so much come after the girls, but they did come after the boys. Really? Yeah, it was pretty. I mean, they would like, I remember like geography books and rulers. and. Is that what they used? Yeah. Oh, really? Geography mm-hmm. books? Yeah. <laughs> and those were pretty big. Not math, huh? No, no. <laughs> no, it's always a geography book. <laughs> oh, my. So, I don't know. It'll, oh. it'll be interesting to see what happens. Craziness. Yeah. Thanks. All right. See <laughs> Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Oh, and by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, and all arounds to your annuals. Keep fertilizing your annuals. Don't let them go through any kind of drought stress or anything else. And also deadheading, that would you know be good for them too. And uh, your bulbs, you can go ahead and get your uh, spring flowering bulbs. You can buy the bulbs. Just don't put them in the ground yet. Edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, your cool season lawn versus your warm season lawn. What should you be doing the difference wise? And uh, you have a yard that's a mixture. Then how do you know what to do? Ooh, scary. Perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, gardens, or water, <laughs> water gardens. And I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board, that's Drew. He's producing. When you call, just give him your first name, and he'll put it on the computer, and then I will talk to you. So he doesn't need to know the question that you're calling about or anything. I do uh, landscape consultations, which I call a walk and talk. And you can give me a call because my computer is still down. I'm still with AT&T to try to get my Wi-Fi set up. And anyway, enough of that stuff. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual, group, or situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial today goes out to Mother Nature. Mother Nature. This is a really crazy, wild story I'm going to tell you that's related to Tracy and my home. Uh, We live in South City near Christie Park, right across the street from Christie Park, actually. And so... uh, we have this kind of uh, planted planted area right by our front door. It's raised, it's bricks, 
and it's a raised planting bed space. And uh, the other day when I was outside working, uh, the male lady said, there is a possum up here. And what it was, there was a possum that I have a, I had a piece of glass that I had, you know, covering the, the brick, uh, you know, the brick planted area and with just rocks. And there was a possum that was sleeping underneath this you know, piece of glass. And so I lifted up the piece of glass and it just went <laughs> and it was showing, you know, it was a relatively small one. It wasn't a full adult. So I guess it was one that was just starting off on its own to try to, you know, find a place to live. And so I didn't know what to do. I, I was going to grab it at first and just give it a toss. But what I ended up doing is I found a, a we have decorative bricks that are just kind of sitting around in the yard. So I picked up a piece of brick and I just touched it. And then he went, ran, he, he or she just ran off. So Mother Nature, you never know what's going to occur even in a city you know city circumstance a few years ago when there was a major flooding along and it was impacting river de pair we had wild turkeys walking down the street there was even a coyote but this is the first time in my entire life and i grew up in ellisville where i've been that close to an opossum and I would see this, you know, I don't know if it was the same one or not. I'd see a possum sometimes when I get up at night and just kind of look out the window and see what's going on. And I named him Pogo after the, you know, car, after the comic uh, Pogo, uh, you know, Walt Kelly that did that. It was very politically oriented. So I don't know if this was Pogo or this was a different possum, but it was Mother Nature. You never know what's going to happen. So. That was kind of great fun. So a tip of the trial goes out to Mother Nature. Let's go ahead and get a call in or so before we take a break. Let's go to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Well, hello there, Michael. How are you? Very good. Good. Um, I'm going to go back to the pin oak and tell the man that you were talking to, just take the tree down. (laughs) My pin oak has been up for over 50 years, so it is huge. And so when those galls fall, they are sometimes the size of a baseball, and they yeah. are heavy, and they are strong. Get rid of that whole thing, because if you put money into it, you're going to need the money to take the tree out now. You're going to save money to do that. <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm in Florissant, so I can tell you every street has got the same problem. And every time you turn around, somebody's cutting down a tree. So, but the other thing I wanted to say that I kind of laughed at was, wait till Dr. Phil hears about the spanking in the school. <laughs> Am I right? Yes. <laughs> yep. He's going to go after that. I know he is. Right. Yep. So, but anyway, that's what I got to say about the pen oaks. I, I, uh, I say save your, save your time and. Just get rid of it. Yeah, the reason why some of the galls get so big is because a female will go back and lay her eggs and, you know, galls rather than just going to a different stem. And, it, yeah, they can become disastrous as far as the size. Because the weight right. can cause cracks and then you get moisture in there and, it, you know, it's just a downhill type, you know, circumstance. Yeah. Well, it took my tree about six years and now there are no leaves on it. Ooh. And when we have a storm or anything, branches will fall. I'm not talking about the little sticks from the squirrels. Right. I'm talking about branches. Right. Yeah. So 
I don't know. I, I just uh, that and what's what's the one that sweet? Um, what's the other tree that's got those little balls on it? Uh, sweet gum. Yes, that's another one. Get rid of. <laughs> Don't get that thing either. Right. I do not have that, but I have to drive through it when the people don't clean up after their mess and right. it's on the street and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's like roller skating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, yes, it is. I, I agree with you. So, well, I won't. Kate, I know people are waiting to talk to you. So it was good talking to you, Michael. And I hope that one of these days that your program will be on more than once on Saturdays because sometimes I miss your show and I would really appreciate if you were on a repeat sometime during the week. That's well, my, that's my thing for you. And if I'm the boss right now, you tell me that this is, this is my show. I'm saying we should do something about that. <laughs> well, there is podcast. So you can listen to the show on a podcast. Well, see, I'm new to that too. All right. Well, this is a new experience for you, but uh, you can listen to the entire show with uh, whenever you want. Just go to the podcast. Okay, that that's great. I'm glad. I'm glad I called. Yeah. Okay. So it's P-O-D-C-A-S-T. I feel better already. All right. Well, thanks, yeah. Carol. You're welcome, Mike Miller. Have a good day too. Yeah, you too, Mike Miller. K M West Garden Hotline three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your lawns, uh, you know, like I said, your cool season lawns, this is a time when you start accelerating, when you do the core aeration, composting, seeding, and things like that. But your warm season lawn, your zoysia, this is a time of year when you start shutting down as far as what you're doing, except all lawns, all plants, with the way the weather has been, it's, I mean, the ground is really dry. The other night, I forget which night it was, it was two nights ago, I think, we were having lightning strikes all over in the horizons and everything else. And at first they were predicting there was going to be rain. I, I told my wife, Tracy, I said, you know, we really need the rain. It's, you know, it's not only, you know, for the ground and for the root systems and everything else, but just to wash the dust and everything off the plant foliage. And then all of a sudden, all the lightning kind of went away, and I don't know if there was any rain, you know, throughout the metropolitan area or not. So it's just been kind of a really weird year where we've had either drowned or we're in a desert-type circumstance. So right now, let's go over to James's yard. Hi, James. Hey, good morning. Good morning to you. I uh, I have two things. One, I have uh, my wife started an avocado uh, seed in a bottle, and uh, it has probably anywhere from six to nine inches of roots on the on it already. And I was wondering, do I wait till spring to try to plant that, or can I plant it now? Well, basically, you know that that's not a hardy plant. So if you're talking about planting it out in your yard, it's not going to survive our wintertime. Okay. Okay. So you have to kind of grow it as a house plant. And then once it gets to the point where it's kind of aesthetically becomes dysfunctional, then you just give it the toss. Okay, I got you. I got you. 
And then back to you on my grape tree. These, uh, I don't know if they're raccoons or the squirrels have got me. They've eaten all the clusters of uh, grapes off of it, but now the plant is starting to turn a little brown. I've been watering it, and I was wondering, should I prune it now or just wait? I'm going to put it back in my garage over the winter. I'm not going to give up on it yet. So you, so you're not growing your This is grapes we're talking about, correct? I was talking about avocados. I'm talking about my grape tree, okay, which is in a it's in a container. But I think all the clusters of grapes that I had on it, the animals got to it. Right, and I understand that, but I don't know why you would want to put the grapes in inside your garage. Okay, okay. Because so, I know I did it for the last two years. Oh well, if you've had cool. success doing it, then go ahead and continue to do it. But for the most part, you know, if it's a hardy variety of grape, it should be able to. Uh, you know, withstand our weather as long as a pot is big enough that, uh, you know, it has enough potting mix or slash soil or whatever you have it growing in to insulate for the wintertime. That sounds great. And the last thing, the lady that called in and talked about the nuns, I went to Catholic school, and I believe it was the greatest discipline in the world. You have to learn (laughs) early that that for whatever um, action you do, there is a there's a reply. There's a I've learned that discipline has helped me throughout my whole life. And a little spanker never hurt anybody. The only problem is <laughs> today when they spank people is that they don't do it the right way. But, you know, there's this, if, if, if you do wrong and there's a deterrent, you won't do it anymore. Certain things in this life I'll never do again because of the discipline I had when I was young. So <laughs> thanks. You got a great show. <laughs> well, thank you. And thanks for your comment. Yeah. That was Maria Kina from the newsroom that, uh, she went to Catholic school and was talking about the spanking. So, thanks a lot, James. And uh, now let's where should we go? Let's go over to Greg's yard. Hi, Greg. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Very good. Good. Uh, you're talking about the getting uh, prepared for the kind of like the fall season. Um, guy wants to aerate my yard. It looks great right now. I'm just wondering if it's too hot right now still. If uh, aerating, you know, cutting low than aerating, is going to stress it a little bit or not? It should, it should doing, be okay. You know, a lot of the work. Yeah. Or should I wait? You know, Usually I do it about the middle of September. Yeah. But So what do you think about stressing it, you know, when it's still this hot? It's not going to make that much difference, to be honest with you, because it is late in the season. Yes, it is still, you know, warmer than what we'd anticipate. But I don't know how much longer this can continue on. But uh Generally, if you do the core aeration, it should be followed with about a quarter to a half inch of compost, and that falls down in the hole. So uh, that should, you know, that should be all part of the scenario. Yeah, the reason why we don't compost is it's just a bigger yard, and it's just uh, a matter of doing that. Oh, okay. That's why we kind of have always passed on that, but luckily, it's still one of it's probably one of the better yards in the in the neighborhood. All so right. we're doing good with that. Then I would so say the other question is I've got a couple spots in the front yard and it's I'm pretty sure it's some bed grass and there's tufts that kind of come up and you know I could they just look really tufty and just hairy and I could just really just kind of pull them up uh, by my hand you know it's a really thin root um, and I they don't come up till probably about June. And every year at the end, I'll either I'll pull them up and I'll even spray it with whatever, and I've overseeded and sodded over it, 
every and it looks great until about May again. <laughs> then it comes back, same spot. I just can't get rid of it. Um, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, I mean, and I'm pretty sure it's bent grass. If it is bent grass, and I mean, what you're doing is okay. It's just a. Uh, you know, it's an unfortunate thing that uh, you're having that kind of, you know, circumstance. If it's, you know, if it comes up in May, then that is definitely a warm season, you know, annual weed. And if it's bent grass, birds like to use bent grass for their nest. So there may be some, somebody else has a bunch of it or whatever, and the birds are harvesting it for their nest linings. And then consequently- Yeah, it just seems like every year it's the, you know, comes up at the same time. Right. And look, it's not too bad but there's about four little patches and um you know i get rid of it i'll over like i said i'll i'll sod over it you know i'll put um the killing stuff whatever um round up on it overseed do whatever and every every year it comes back again same spot <laughs> <laughs> so, it's driving me crazy. So you're not really getting rid of it, even though you're th- you're pulling it up. You're still leaving some of the root system. Apparently, but like I said, I even put Roundup on it, and then I'll then I'll sod over it, and uh, every year, same wow. areas. Wow. Yeah. That's one of those nightmares you can't get rid of. I'll tell you, but <laughs> we live through it. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Uh, so we'll probably uh, overrate. Uh, do the aeration next weekend. All right, sounds perfect. Awesome, thank you. Yep. Bye. And now let's let's head over to Joy's yard. Hi, Joy. Good morning. How you doing? Very good. I wanted to ask you, uh, the lady that called in about the tree. What I did with my palm tree cell, I put boxwoods around it, and that has it, you know, and they come out good. But then the next question I want to ask you is that uh, I got a hydrangeas about at least 10 feet tall. I had it for at least over 15 years. But it don't bloom no more. It's a bloom one, and that's it. And I fertilize it. You know, when I do other flowers, I'm just trying to see, is it gone? Do I need to just put me something new in that corner? You might just add some new ones, but uh, is this one that when you de- you say it, does, it did bloom in the springtime this year? Oh yeah, it bloomed, but it didn't. It didn't. It, it bloomed, but it only bloomed one or two. And I got some other those good hydrangeas that I buy, you know, like late fall, and they do good all year. Right. So this is just variety wise, plus the age factor with this particular one. So that's why you're not getting the amount of blooms that historically you've gotten. So you can either leave that one there and get uh, a couple other ones and plant them in close proximity so they can all kind of grow together. And you have the you know the larger one just being more or less a parent for the other two. And But you uh, know, some of the hydrangeas are just, uh, that's what they do. They kind of run out of steam as they age. Okay, one more question. When can I cut my boxwoods? Because they're terrible. They, I've been letting them. Well, when can I cut them down for the uh, fall? Yeah, the best thing to do is uh, do it in, let's say, uh, around mid-March or so in the springtime. Either that or do it pretty quickly if you're going to try to get it done before winter. So you don't want to do it too late because then that's going to leave the, the tips of the branches after you cut off the stuff. If we have a cold, really severe cold snap early, that could be you know trouble for 
for the boxwood? Okay, some of them in turn, the leaves in turn brown. Do I have to, I don't want to cut it away from the, you know, the circle I got. Right, but the interior leaves should be turning brown this time of year and being and dropping. But if it's the tips of the branches, then that's not a good sign. Well, I don't know what happened. Like I got eight out there in my circle, and it's uh, some of them doing. I just go out there and pick the list of the one dead off. You know. Yeah, just cut off any of the twigs or branches that are you know that have brown leaves all the way to the tips. You're gonna have to cut those off because they're never gonna leaf back out. Oh, okay, then. You have a good show, and you have a nice weekend. Well, thank you. Thanks, Joy. You are. Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. One of the things that you may not know, there are some of the herbs that will self-seed. So... If the flowers are not removed, in other words, it kind of sends the plants downhill a little bit, they will drop seeds, which will come back as volunteers the following year. And dill, lemon balm, oregano, basil, and uh, cilantro, all those the seeds you know, are produced by the, let's say, the parent plant and drop to the ground and come back next year. So just realize that that's you know, an option where you can have years and years and years of the same more or less plant that you originally planted coming back. Let's go now over to, uh, let's go to Tim's. Hi, Tim. Hello. Um, I have a question about uh, uh, my uh, oak tree. Um, it has a lot of galls, and um, I mean everywhere on the tree. And I've been trying to research uh the effects on the tree of having this situation and i've got a lot of dead limbs that are starting to show up right and yeah and i've uh gotten some information that indicates that uh, there's some people that uh, 
with deep root uh, fertilization, you know, they can try and help this out and whatever. But uh, um, I am not sure that that's necessarily the case as, as advanced as this is. Um, so I was just wondering what you think. Uh, the tree is, um, I, I don't know what type of what variety of oak it is, but it's about 40, at least 45, perhaps 50 feet tall. I haven't measured it yet. Um, but, um, uh, uh, I'm an engineer by, by trade and, and I can, you know, triangulate things, but, uh, I, uh, wanted to see if perhaps I could get the tree harvested by a lumber company to, uh, uh, because it is oak and it's still healthy, um, how if if the tree's dead and starting to split up and dry out and all that stuff, I'm not going to get anything for it. But uh, they're going to charge me to to do whatever so uh, to remove it. But uh, uh, I was hoping that I could uh, get your input as to okay, how long does it take for for these galls to uh, go ahead and uh, destroy a tree? It's you know it just depends upon the individual tree, individual growing circumstance, and things like that. Some of them really start going downhill after only about twenty years old, where your tree is much really? older than that. So consequently, yes, it's just you know individual situation, and uh, the galls you know cause problems from various different factors by you know terminating the twigs at the ends of the branches, and that's where the new foliage comes out. As long as well as just the weight of the galls, like you, I don't know if you were listening earlier, but one lady said she had one. She was seeing galls on her tree that were this more or less not quite the size yeah, of a tennis the, ball, but uh, right. anyway, these, these are these are about the size of a uh, of a maybe a large uh, golf ball, Ooh. and um, and I have I'm, I'm looking out at the tree right now, and it has many, many branches that have just uh, succumbed to it. Um, and I always want to get those low-hanging branches down so that they don't uh, represent a problem in a storm. Right. You know, uh, blowing across things and, and damaging my house. But uh, um, it's close enough to my house that I, uh, I, I, I that's where my concern lay to, uh, to see what I can do about uh, getting that. And are there any – I've seen in this – I live in South County, and I've seen several – uh, times in the last uh, four or five months where lumber companies have come in and harvested trees um, to uh, to go ahead and get the lumber because, of course, <laughs> lumber is like, uh, you know, gold right now. Sure. So, uh, so I was wondering, um, are there any lumber companies that uh, are out there that uh, would be interested in looking at something like this and give me some ideas to uh, – how long it might uh, be before it uh, uh, could be harvested? Uh, how much, you know, obviously I'm, I'm going to be incurring some expenses, but uh, um, I was just, just wondering uh, what you know and uh, um, and how how fast these galls can go ahead and destroy a tree. Well, it's just, again, it's going to be the individual situation because your tree is obviously pretty healthy or else you wouldn't be trying to get rid of it while it's still healthy from a lumber company standpoint, and as far as what companies do that, you know, to be honest with you, I don't really know. I guess maybe checking online or I guess you probably don't know somebody that had a tree taken down by a lumber company. And I don't know what the additional expense is. I mean, yes, they're going to get the lumber out of it, but 
that the lumber that's from a freshly cut tree still has to be seasoned and everything else. So it's not like they're going to just cut a tree down, t- turn it into boards, and then sell it. Hey, well, um, a, a co-worker uh, who had uh, property in uh, Perryville, um, they had uh, – there was a farm that uh, his, his family owned, and, and they were able to go ahead and work with a lumber company whenever their oak trees uh, – had issues uh, or they needed more space and, and things like that. But uh, I'm not sure that folks in Perryville, a lumber yard in Perryville would want to come all the way up here to, uh, you know, St. South St. Louis County to, uh, to uh, go ahead and uh, uh, harvest a tree. But, right. Uh, so, but you might go ahead and contact them because they may know somebody that, you know, in the South, you know, South County area that does do that kind of thing. So that would be a, a contact type point. Okay. Okay. And, uh, okay. So I've got dead limbs. Do I go ahead and I remove the dead limbs as best I can? Yes. Um, Get rid of the dead limbs because they just offer an opportunity for other problems. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And, uh, so I need to get a, uh, uh, need to get that resolved, but, uh, uh, do the best I can. And Hey, thank you very much for, for sharing your expertise. And, uh, I'm uh, very grateful for your service and, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, for those of us that don't know about these things, it, uh, it's, it's really a godsend to us. So God bless and keep you, sir. Well, thank you. It's greatly appreciated. And now let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi. Hi. Hey, hi, hi Mike. This is, Bill, this is Bill and Nancy. Okay. Uh, Mike, my asked this morning about, we have a shipperella here that's about, excuse me just a minute, Mike. Is your is your phone? I can't hear Nancy. I'm sorry, she got it on the wrong. the other phone. Hang on a minute. Go ahead, Bill. I still can't hear. I still can't hear. You got to hang that phone up. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. That's okay. So you have a Chef Valera, so it's a house plant, tropical. Yeah, yeah. I I guess is it a tropical plant, the Chifarilla? Yeah. Yes. It's a chifarilla plant. It's about 40 years old. Whoa. It's, it's been losing its leaves, oh, I'd say for the past three or four years. We're back to about four leaves. They're drooping on it, and the uh, trunk is kind of spongy. What can we do to bring it back? Nothing. I mean, if the trunk is, if it's like it's feeling soft as far as the main, you know, let's say the veins or the trunk, then it's headed downhill. So it's just, you know, it's just... Like I said, going downhill. So you've had it for a long time. You've had multiple years of, you know, enjoying it and everything else. But there's nothing at this particular time other than just leaving it alone and see if it can recover. But my guess is it's not going to be able to. Well, Doug, I was sure hope we could save that thing. She she said, that's what she said. She just threw it away. But I've had it so many years. Right. I understand that. I mean, you have, you know, a feeling for it and everything else. But once it gets to this point, even, you know, let's say in the Climatron at the Botanical Garden, there were certain plants that were there, had been there for years and years and years. And then they just got, I mean, they just aged to the point where they were no longer going to be aesthetically functional and just going to be heading downhill one step at a time. I got one more question, Mike, to ask you. If, uh, uh, Arg, what's the, the last time you should cut your grass in the fall to 
make it, you know, so it'd be better for it to come back in the spring. Now, is this cool season or warm season grass? Fescue? Oh, God, it, it's probably, every, I got almost two acres here, and I got to say, it's, it's, I keep, I keep adding seed to it, you know, trying to get, but it looks like a lot of grass, everything's in there. Okay. So basically you want to keep, you know, keep mowing. You may have to mow all the way up until Thanksgiving. It's just as long as the grass is growing, you should keep mowing it with the final cut, making it about three inches high. Okay. Then I appreciate everything that you do. Thank you. Well, great. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hotline back after these messages. Gamoids Night at the Ballpark returns Wednesday, September 14th as the Cardinals take on the Brewers. Got it, got into it. It's a- this is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, let's head over to Russ's yard. Hi, Russ, how are you? I'm just fine. How are you doing? Very good. Yeah, I, uh, I've got a pin oak tree that was in our house you know in our yard when we moved in is probably my guess is 50 or 60 years old and i've always loved pin oaks because they grow so straight they seem like they're getting more of the galls now than ever but uh in the last few years it started getting a lot of galls branches loop drooping down uh over time dying and i don't know if the dying is because the, the pin oaks would lose lower branches anyway and they would die off that might be a normal thing i don't know but I do know that the squirrels tend to get up there, and they, they like to chew on those galls. They also chew off the branches. <laughs> and as much as I hate the squirrels, uh, it seems like maybe they're a beneficial in some ways of trimming some of the uh, branches. Uh, but more recently, I, more recently, I actually got a long pole to cut branches off, and so I kill, cut off a lot of the uh, lower branches. When I say lower you know, they're at least 12, 15 feet up in the air. Sure. It seemed like after I cut off those dead ones, the tree looks a lot healthier, and it doesn't seem like it's getting as many new galls on the other branches. I don't know if that's a normal thing or eventually it's going to hit the uh, more healthy branches uh, later. Do you have any idea about that? Yeah, it's probably going to just be uh, it's a, uh, just a circumstance of process, so... There's nothing, you know, removing the lower branches. Those lower branches are just being overshadowed by the you know, branches that are higher up that are elongating more. And so the tree just compartmentalizes the lower branches, and that's what's happening as far as those go. And in relationship to the galls, those two things are not really related to each other. Yeah, so do you it, – it, but it seems like uh, the upper branches – 
maybe because they get more sunlight, they're not shaded as much, they tend to get galls less, do you think, or not? No, that doesn't make any difference. I mean, certain it just depends upon the certain tree, the wasp that lay, the female wasp that lays those eggs that cause those galls, she just hasn't, you know, let's say, impregnated those twigs yet. Do the squirrels help the trees at all when uh, they nip off, <laughs> nip off? I'm not just talking about the galls, but just in general when uh, they shoot. Yeah, for the most part, no. I mean, that's just a, you know a process. It doesn't, you know, they c- cut off the lower branch, you know, the ends of the branches, and because uh, they do need to chew on stuff. But you know, in my neighborhood, when I take walks, some of the oak trees underneath them, I can't believe how much chewing, like on the acorns and everything else, the squirrels have done. But uh, you know, it's not totally detrimental. Wildlife is pretty much smart enough to know and know not to do something too much that's going to kill something. And so I think the squirrels are just, you know, just by chance they're doing that. And it's, you know, they could, you know, they're not really benefiting the tree at all. Yeah, I don't like squirrels. They they <laughs> really eat in my bird feeders and everything right. else. And I probably shouldn't mention this on the air, but I'm an avid killer of squirrels. Oh, I, I, the one year I killed 65, Whoa. this month I've got at least 15 already. At, once, at one point I got uh, eight squirrels in four days, and the next day I got one. So in, in five days I got nine. Wow. They're, they keep coming. There's no end to them, and they're such a nuisance. <laughs> yeah, they are a hassle for sure. <laughs> well, thanks, Russ. That's my comments. Okay, All right, thank you. Yeah, and uh, Bill, if you can do it real fast. Hello. Yeah, you got to do it really fast. Here it is. Here's the update on the baseball bat theory about increasing your plum production on a tree. I've gone through two baseball bats, one aluminum, one Louisville slugger. It does not increase the production of a tree when you strike a plum tree with a baseball bat. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know. How, I don't know how that you know that whole idea ever came about, but I completely agree that it's not going to help whatsoever. And if anything, it's going to do some damage to the tree. So, some of this, let's say, I don't want to say wives' tales, are just totally nuts and crazy. But thanks to everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate it. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.